The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Hello, and welcome to Ecclesia Online. It is a delight to be gathered with you in this way. We want to just welcome all of you from near and far. As we start our worship time together, would you join me in a time of prayer? God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here with us. We thank you for welcoming us into your presence. We recognize that you are the host of this gathering, of our time together, and that you are so hospitable in your amazing, loving, and kind ways. You are able to host all of us, no matter where we're coming from, what we've been through, whether we're in sadness right now, whether we're in celebration. You as our ultimate host can meet all of those needs. God, thank you again for the outpouring of your love, your kindness, your generosity, your hope, your peace, and your joy. May we be filled with those things and so that they can overflow to the people around us. Amen.
Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and I'm so thrilled that you could join us for worship today. Um, we're in different places, but we're connected, and we're connected uh, by the spirit that dwells within us. We're connected by a sense of mission, and I wanted to talk to you briefly today about our posture in this season. 
obviously we want to be a people that have a posture not of fear uh, but a posture of love and grace and part of what that means is that in a time that people get really protective right what could be more protective than not wanting to touch anything that somebody else has touched we can start to isolate ourselves and uh, we need to do that physically. We're going to practice physical distancing, right? And we're going to uh, pull away physically from one another, but our posture and our heart and our movement towards one another can still be very proactive. And so I wanna share with you what I believe we're called to do in the season. And we're called to be a people that share generously, that move towards needs. Um, in Matthew 11, Jesus, uh, define so much of who we are. And he says this, he says it in verse 28 of Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. That's the whole world right now. And I will give you rest. You hear this verse, right? And you go, and some of us, that's maybe the only good thing so far. Some people have said like, I think I've been sleep deprived forever. Like I'm at home more, I'm catching up on sleep and that's good. It's not exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says, I'm gonna give you a sense of rest and peace. And the words that he uses next are really unusual for someone that's gonna give you rest. He says, uh, put my yoke on your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted to your curves. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. When you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, we're gonna find rest and peace, not by doing nothing, but by doing the things we're made to do. And in this season, where there's need, we're made to go and meet that need. And so you're gonna be hearing from week to week as we take our offering, you need to know um, that we're focusing our resources together uh, to do things together that none of us could do on our own. I'm thrilled this week that we get to be a part of buying microwaves for senior citizens in Houston that receive Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels has had to adapt their program. In fact, it'd be a great place for you to volunteer if you're young and healthy and you're feeling like I need to find a way to serve. There are great ways to volunteer. They typically deliver meals to people, fresh meals. Um, but to cut down on contact with senior citizens, they're delivering frozen meals for the week that need to be cooked. And a lot of these senior citizens don't have microwaves. We've started by buying hundred we may buy as many as 500 microwaves for senior citizens in Houston and it's our way to say to them we love you I'm starting a podcast this week called corona conversations I'm just gonna be talking with people all across our city our country and the world about what's happening there the first episode is with my friend Marcelo Robles the lockdown in Argentina combined with the economic pain that they've endured for quite some time creates a lot of challenges you're gonna hear how we get to help people you wouldn't believe it we're gonna be pizza bombing people in Argentina. They have the best pizza in the world and it's only $2, right? We can buy food for people. We can care for people. We can provide jobs for people. This is what we're made to do. And so as we uh, focus our resources, our gifts, our efforts together, know that we're going to keep being the people God made us to be. Some people may sequester in their house and not think about others, but that's not who we are. We would find for all of us that in a season like that, if we focus on ourselves, we're gonna get depressed, we're gonna struggle, but we're gonna thrive as a community in this season because we're gonna be looking out for others. We're gonna be sacrificing what God's given us so we can continue to care for people in Venezuela, in uh, Kurdistan, in Chicago, in New York, 
uh, in Argentina. We're going to be doing some great things in Palestine. Uh, I'll tell you more about in the second podcast. So let's stay together. Let's stay on mission. Join us now as we worship through giving and let's celebrate and recite this offering prayer together. Ecclesia, we continue to be committed, even in this challenging season, to the work God calls us, sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well for the spiritual health of our people and especially for the care of our children. As we each consider our part in that offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we make some changes to how we gather together, it's important to also talk about how that impacts our offering as well. We have always received an offering at Ecclesia and will continue to do so because it's central to what it means to be human and to be the people Jesus invites us to be. We are encouraging you to use digital means to give your offering. One of the easiest ways to do that is to use your private device that you carry with you everywhere you go. You can simply send a text message and here's how it works. All you have to do is send the amount you want to donate to 84321. The first time you do, you'll receive a message that prompts you to add your payment information. Simply tap on that link, select Ecclesia as your church, fill in the email address where you want to receive your receipts, add your payment information, and you're good to go. Now, you can text your donation amount to 84321 and you'll instantly receive a receipt. If you accidentally add a zero, you can easily fix that. Simply reply with the word refund within the first 30 minutes and that transaction will be refunded to you. You'll get an email receipt of every donation you make. You may feel like your donation is insignificant. I want to tell you that every donation, no matter the amount, can make a big difference. When we pool our resources together, we can do together what none of us can do alone. And every donation is an opportunity for us to become the people that God created us and invites us to be. Generous, kind, loving, and selfless people. Hello, Ecclesia. You know, I was thinking just a couple of days ago about an experience I had about six years ago, visiting one of my parishioners in the hospital. She had been there for several days, maybe even a week. And she wasn't doing that great and she was heavily drugged and kind of loopy when I went in to see her, but I always checked up on her. She was one of my absolute favorite people. And while I was there and having a conversation with her, I could tell that she really was highly drugged. Like she was saying stuff that didn't make any sense to anybody and I found it completely entertaining until her doctor and a lot of residents came in to see her. It was a teaching hospital. And as she looks around the room, she wants to introduce me to her physician. And she says, this is my pastor, Sean. 
he's a good preacher, but he's a clown. Remember, she was drugged. And I just cherish that memory in my heart as one of my favorite things that has ever been said to me about me by anyone. And I have good reason for doing that. I was in youth work for many years. Um, I was in youth ministry for 12 years, which was really about nine too many for me. And I remember the very first year that I was in ministry working for a church in South Texas. And one of our adults who worked with the kids came up to me one Wednesday night after we were done. And he asked me, he says, you know, are you sure that you wanted to do youth ministry? He's like, absolutely. This is all I've wanted to do for a long time. He's like, huh, because you're awful serious for a youth minister. And there were really good reasons why I was. I had done a number of youth ministry internships while I was in college. And over the four summers that I interned, three of those summers were visited with tragedy. One summer, I had a student who committed a murder and went to jail for the rest of his life. In those other two summers, I had two students die, one from cancer and the other from a gunshot wound. And I learned really early on in my life and ministry in my adulthood that the world can be a really dark place, that there is tragedy, and that none of us are really all that far from it. And what that did probably was just place a kind of gloom over the way that I saw the world as fragile, as broken. And the reality is that I don't have to tell you any of that. You have the internet, you watch the news, especially right now, it seems like every day we are visited with another tragedy. We see all of the spots of darkness. And what I love about the Christian faith and what I love about the scriptures is that the scriptures never run from that. They never hide that. They never try to pretend like that doesn't happen, like that's not a part of our story. That's not been a part of everybody's story. And so one of the great passages of scripture is in Romans 8, where the apostle Paul takes on the world that we live in head on without any hesitation, without any doubt, without any sugarcoating. And he begins one of the great passages of scripture, Romans 8. He says this in verse 18. Now, I'm sure of this. The sufferings we endure now are not even worth comparing to the glory that is coming and will be revealed in us. For all creation is waiting, yearning for the time when the children of God will be revealed. You see, all the creation has collapsed into emptiness not by its own choosing, but by God's. Still, he placed within it a deep and abiding hope that creation would one day be liberated from its slavery to corruption and experience the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that all creation groans in unison with birthing pains up until now. And there is more. It's just not creation. All of us, all of us are groaning too. And Paul talks about two things 
that there is absolutely no one that I know who enjoys these two things. He talks about waiting and groaning. I don't know about you, I'm the worst waiter in the world. I don't like waiting in lines. I don't like waiting in traffic. If there is a wait associated with something, I just won't do it. I hate waiting. I'm the guy who stands in line when you used to could go to Starbucks or a restaurant and you have to wait for the people in front of you who would say like, this menu has not changed. It's still the same coffee. What is taking everybody so long? If you lived with me, you would know that one of the things that I say a lot is why is this taking so long? I hate waiting. And nobody likes groaning. And that part where it all falls apart. And there's some real groaning and waiting. People who have lost a spouse, lost a child, they know waiting and they know groaning. And I think about my grandmother. My mom is a triplet. And when my grandmother gave birth to my mom, two of my mom's siblings, her two siblings, her two only siblings, died at birth. My grandmother was in so much pain, her body in so much distress, that she was so heavily sedated, she didn't even get to name my mother. She waited her whole life to be reunited with her two lost daughters. My mom's waited her whole life to be reunited with her two lost sisters and she's still waiting, waiting and groaning. Or just a part of the deal. They come downloaded in the software of what it is, what it means to live as humans in this broken place. But Paul also says that in the midst of that groaning, in the middle of all of that waiting, there's a deep and abiding hope. Paul says, though we have already tasted the first fruits of the Spirit, we are longing for total redemption of our bodies that comes when our adoption as the children of God is complete. For we have been saved in this hope and for this future. Paul says, what we experience right now the good and the beautiful things in our life, the meaningful things in our lives, that's the first fruits. It's kind of like going to a really great party, a really great dinner party, and you get there and the appetizers are so incredibly good that you're like, this is amazing. I can't wait until dinner. It's the same thing that Paul calls in 2 Corinthians, the deposit. Like maybe like when you go buy a house, like this isn't the whole thing, but it's part of the thing. And Paul says, that's what we experience now. But our hope isn't in the now. Our hope is in the future. And God has given us just enough, given us the deposit, the appetizer, to know that this is good and there's more coming, the total and complete redemption. And that's important for us to remember because we forget that right now, wherever we are, no matter how blessed, how glorious, how disappointing our lives can sometimes be. It's not complete. It's not total. We're not total. And it's times like this when we are reminded of our own brokenness 
of our own incompleteness, where the world that we constructed and put together, we begin to see how fragile that is. Paul says, but hope does not involve what we already have or see. For who goes around hoping for what he already has? Then Paul goes on, he says, but if we wait expectantly for things we have never seen, then we hope with perseverance and eager anticipation. And this is so hard because we live in what many theologians would call the now, but not yet, that we are in between this time. So think about maybe when you were a teenager, when I was 14, 15 years old, me and all of my friends, we thought we were ready for the world. We were ready to drive. We wanted to drive now, but not yet. We, we thought our bodies were ready to do some things now, but not yet. That there is a maturing, there's a growing, there's a developing, there's a becoming that needs to happen for all of us to appreciate and love everything that God has in store for us. We're in between where there's so much that is good and beautiful. There is a good life, but even our best lives aren't the best life that God has prepared for us. And later on, Paul gets to the really great part. He says, so what should we say about all of this? If God is on our side, then tell me, who should we fear? If he did not spare his own son, but handed him over on our account, then don't you think that he will graciously give us all things with him? Can anyone be so bold as to level a charge against God's chosen? Especially since God's not guilty verdict is already declared. Who has the authority to condemn Jesus the anointed who died, but more importantly conquered death when he was raised to sit at the right hand of God where he pleads on our behalf. So who can separate us? What can come between us and the love of God's anointed? Can troubles, hardship, persecution, hunger, poverty, danger, even death? The answer is absolutely nothing. What can come between us and the love of God? Dangers, hardships, persecution, even death, nothing. And Ecclesia, if I could give you one gift this week, it would be for you to hear these words as if you've never heard them before. That right now, wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, whatever anxieties, depression, loneliness, cabin fever, whatever you fear, whatever you feel, there is nothing that can separate you, that can separate us from the love of God. And it is for this reason that Jesus came and gathers us around table, even around the table with people who would deny him and betray him and abandon him. Wherever you are, both inside of you and next to you and above you and around you is the love of Jesus. 
And this is why the Lord is able to say in John 14, as he speaks to his disciples one last time, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Do not be afraid. Ecclesia, let me pray for you. Creator God, wrap us again in your ever encompassing, all embracing love that we may be women and men of love who trust that nothing, absolutely nothing, can come between your love and us. And we ask for this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, Ecclesia family, it's good to be together and we are coming to what's arguably my favorite part of every gathering we do, and that's communion, where we get to remember Christ's death and resurrection together. And so we're gonna do that in a few moments together. After we uh, say some liturgy over the elements, we're gonna share a song, and that would be the time where you can gather the elements that you've prepared and you can partake and share with those that you're gathered with in your home. Part of the reason why I love communion so much is that I'm reminded that Jesus instituted this for us by having a meal with his closest followers. And he told them, every time you do this, remember me, which has always made me wonder if for them, every meal wasn't a chance to have communion. And so my hope in this season, as things have been changed and they're different for us, that maybe that's a positive for us, is that every meal becomes more sacred to us. And so Ecclesia, as we come to communion and maybe you're using sliced bread like I've got here, uh, will you prepare your hearts for this sacred time together? And will you pray this prayer with me? I'll pray as a celebrant, you can respond as a people. The table is set all around us. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come then to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been there often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed. Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. And all together, loving God, through your goodness, we have this feast, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves, a single living act of praise. Amen.
Good morning, Ecclesia families. It's so good to be with you. This is the part of service where we are going to be praying a blessing over kids. So whether that is your own kiddos or it's um, kids that you just love in your life, um, if you'll go ahead and join me. Addison, may God bless you and guard you. May God show favor and be gracious to you. And may God show you kindness and grant you peace. Amen. Ecclesia, what a blessing it is to be able to gather together in worship, prayer, and communion. Many joining us from across borders and even oceans. Thank you for being here. As we depart, let us do so reminded to always recenter ourselves in the gratitude of the moments. Our benediction is a poem by David White entitled, The Opening of the Eyes. That day I saw beneath dark clouds, the passing of light over the water, and I heard the voice of the world speak out. I knew then, as I had before, life is no passing memory of what has been, nor the remaining pages in a great book waiting to be read. It is the opening of eyes long closed. It is the vision of far off things seen for the silence they hold. It is the heart after years of secret conversing, speaking out loud in the clear air. It is Moses in the desert, fallen to his knees before the lit bush. It is the man throwing away his shoes as if to enter heaven and finding himself astonished, opened at last fallen in love with solid ground. Ecclesia, beloved family, may this season, for all its challenge and heartache, continue to root us firmly in the now, the gift of this day, and the gift we might be to others within it, if only our eyes remain open. You are loved. Be well. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.